Hey y'all, welcome to Adventures with Aggie brought to you by Coco's Coffee House. Today we have the final episode of our feature on the England Amputee Football Association. We're featuring Mickey Chambers. Mickey has been on the team for 16 years. He's going to tell us about all of the awesome things that the team has been able to do in the last 16 years, as well as his story and why he's so passionate about playing for this team. So please welcome Mickey. Awesome. Well, Mickey, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Okay. I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, I guess just to kind of get started, let's start. Can you give me some background, kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Mickey Chambers. Uh, I'm part of the England Amputee Football Association. Uh, I've been playing amputee football now for around 16 years. Um, I lost my left leg as a child. Uh, I had a blood disease, which ultimately ended in the doctors deciding to take away a part of my left foot and a, a few of the bones around it. So I'm a left leg amputation, but below knee. Um, fortunate enough to be able to, to still do things that I love. So um, I'm 31 years old and I'm based in a little city called Preston, which is just a short 30 minute drive from Manchester in the United Kingdom. Awesome introduction. I love it. Um, I want to visit Preston one day as well. I've never been, but I yeah. want to come check it you out. You can come to Preston anytime you like. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. Okay. Well, how did you find yourself playing for the EAFA? So when I was uh, 14 years old, I was part of a disability group that um, sort of helped people with disabilities to sort of connect and get to know each other. Uh, this was something that was organized by my parents. So uh, I didn't really know too much about it. But we was in a place called Lancaster, which isn't too far from, from where I'm based. And one of the players now who is a, a massive part of, of the charity, his name is David Tweed. He came to see me and uh, well, not just me, but he came to see all the people that was sort of part of this disability. I think he heard that there was going to be people there with disabilities and he potentially thought he could find someone with a, an amputation who would come and join uh, amputee football. So this was just really... Um, just to get as many numbers at the time because England wasn't really a big nation at the time in terms of the sport. Uh, so he saw me at 14, he had a word with my parents. And uh, from then on, I went to training every week. And from 14 to 31, I've been a part of the, uh, the England setup and I've never looked back. So it's amazing. It's a massive uh, thing for me to have, have found and for, for Dave to come and see me, which was incredible. So I owe all of that to him really. That's that's amazing. It's stuck. It's stuck. You're still around 16 years later. Yeah. So cool how it's become such a big part of your life too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing because there's, there's the players that have been sort of involved with the England team that I never knew about when I first started yeah. that are still involved now. So people have been sort of not really been for them, but then have come back into the setup. Right. Um, I suppose that's the beauty of, of this sport and it's the togetherness of people that have been through trauma um and sport really does bring everyone together and that's what we're all about we're not just a footballing team we're a family and it's something that we we strive to, to sort of continue regardless if we uh if, if we win things or not that's what we're there to look out for each other and uh, if we can win things on the pitch then that's even better <laughs> definitely I love how it is a family and community kind of feel um that's so I guess that, that makes it so much better you know when you're all friends and you're all in this together you know each other um I think that's, I don't know, it makes it more powerful and more fun, you know, more fun. Yeah, it's, it's the value of what 
um, I think everyone sort of has the same sort of values and stuff, but as a footballing team that have all been through different types of traumas. So whether it be a disease or whether it be um, an accident or, 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 I mean, there's so many different players within our setup that have had different sort of um, the, 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 the legs or their arms or whatever have been taken in different ways. They're just listening to people's stories itself can be powerful enough to sort of want to, to help each other out. So you just know that you're going to give everything that you have for, for your teammate, knowing that they are going to do everything for you. So I think that's what makes it such a good team to be a part of, not just for the on-field on situations, but also for the off-field situations. We're here for each other. And if anyone needs any help or assistance, we're just a phone call away because at the moment we're not allowed to see each other. <laughs> That's, that's true. That's true. But that's so cool. I love how, how connected it is and how passionate everybody is. Um, yeah. That's so fun. But let's kind of talk about some of your highlights. Um, so can you tell me, I guess, about the most recent Amputee Football World Cup? Um, what this experience was like for you? And I guess some of your highlights with the team so far? Yeah. So like I said earlier on, I've been playing for quite a, a large amount of years. I've been fortunate to travel the world playing this sport. Um at 15 years old, I was walking down the beach of the Copacabana Beach in Rio de Janeiro as a 15-year-old child. And that would never have happened if I didn't have the opportunity to be a part of this team. Um, uh, some of the places and some of the people that I've met and been able to, to sort, of, sort of go along the way as such, some of the people who aspire me to, to want to keep playing. Um, the last World Cup, which was in Mexico, um, was was unbelievable. It really, really was. We turned up from the airport. We had like a police escort. We're, we're traveling through the city of, I think it was the place was called Sinalau. I think it was. So it's just a little place outside. There was like um, police escorts and and just people just sort of like wanting to know who we were. And it made us feel really special as if we was like celebrities. And you get off the coach, there's people watching. They want you to sign their autographs. They want you to sign the shirts. And it really does make you feel like a celebrity. And we got to the football stadium and, and it was just amazing. I mean, it wasn't the most, um, it wasn't the most richest part of, of Mexico. And I don't think it would have been most like the most. So I think what I'm trying to say is the people that the, the sort of the, the families that are there at, the, at them cities are probably thinking they've got a world cup coming to their town and their city. And they really want to make the most of this opportunity because for them and even for us, but for them, it's a big part of their life. And they will say to their grandchildren, their children, we hosted the World Cup of Amputee Football because this sport is only going to get bigger. And when everyone knows about it and when the world knows about who we are and what this sport is, people who was there at that moment will say to their families, if it makes it into the Paralympics, they'll say we was there when, when the World Cup was hosted in our little city because it wasn't the biggest of places and everyone knew everybody. And it was just amazing to be a part of it. And it's amazing to be a part of all of it because... We're just regular people who've been through a little bit of trauma. We've had a bit of uh, a setback in life, but we've not let it bother us. We've we just sort of got on with it. We've found uh, a togetherness in this sport and, and we're, we're trying to do everything we possibly can to raise the profile, you know? Yeah, I think, I think it's worked. Like I found you all on TikTok, the profile and the awareness, you know, it's growing so much. Um, even, I mean, the events, obviously they help a lot. And I think there's also that kind of pride that you were talking about with um, these host cities and how excited they are that you guys are there. Um, I think it's, that's something that's never going to change. I think no. any kind of large event, even if it's a Super Bowl or something like that, um, these cities are so proud of hosting something like that. And 
for y'all to be able to bring that experience to them, that's life changing in itself. Without it was amazing. I mean, we was we went we were fortunate enough to go and visit a school, and um, some of the children had made like pictures and they'd, they'd written things about the, the, the World Cup. So we're at home doing day to day jobs. We've got families. We've got just normal normal lives. We're on the other side of the world. There's children who were sat there in their classrooms learning about amputee football and and they're writing books and they're writing pictures. And on the day that we arrive, you sort of get um, allocated a group of children who will come over and they will then um, give you the gifts that they've made at school. And for them to take their time at school to, to prepare all of this information is just such an amazing touch. And it just makes us feel a lot more proud knowing that we're going to go there and we're changing people's lives and we're making history for these type of these, these type of moments. So I think as much as they love it for them, we also take a lot of pride knowing that we're there for our country, but also we're showing other people in other countries that having a disability doesn't change anything. It doesn't make you any different. If you have the goal to, if you've got the right attitude and you want to do well, then there's no stopping you. You've only got yourself and your teammates pushing you along the way. And it just tells people that just go for it. If you've got the power and you've got the willpower, just go for it. I'm so motivated right now. I don't know what I need to do, but I want to go do something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if, if, if you've got a disability or not. If you've got the the willpower to go and change, then then go and do it, you know? Yeah. I think that's one thing that I've been speaking about with my friends, actually, during this past year, the the excuse is like, oh, everything's online or I can't go meet people. Or, I can't do this. I was like, if you want to do something bad enough, you can do it. Yeah, you absolutely. Don't, you don't need that, the human connection that, I mean, I want it. Yes, I would love to be doing this interview with you in person rather than yeah. over. In New York, in but... New York, not in Preston. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll come to New York. You don't need to come to Perfect. Preston. <laughs> I love that. But um, yeah, I mean, like the willpower thing, like push being able to push yourself to do what you want regardless of the situation and stuff i think that's huge and that's that's exactly what you're talking about with your own the team story and impacting so many lives um which is amazing it's so cool to watch it's really difficult to i mean it'd be quite easy as a as as somebody to say the gym isn't open so we can't go to the gym so therefore we're going to stay at home or uh, we can't go and do our fitness so you can't play football but the beautiful thing is everyone's got gardens everyone's got a, a situation where you can just get a football and you can just kick it against the wall I mean I've been doing a lot of my fitness work of just running around the streets of, of my city my home city I mean it's not the same it doesn't feel the same but it's a commitment that I'm willing to give because I want to, to show the team that and I think the team want to show that as well they're not having any sort of excuses they're not making up any excuses we've been able to adapt our sort of fitness training so our fitness training will now be home-based it'll be sort of running around the streets or doing some sort of footballing activity um it could be a weight session where we're getting some sort of home weights and and just doing little things in and around the house where whether or not we're improvising by having weights or whether we're using sort of a can of beans uh, just little things that we're sort of saying look covid you're stopping us from doing what we want to do but we're still going to beat you because we're still going to do what we need to do. And when you've been and gone, we're going to be in a much better place. And I think that's what is driving everyone forward because we know full well what we February now, the, the European Championships are in September. We're seven months away. We know we give everything we've got now for seven months. We work hard. We do what we need to do at home. We then get back together as a training camp. Um, and in seven months time, we could be European champions. 
And ultimately, that's what's driving everybody forward. I know every other nation are probably saying the same thing, but I believe us as a nation at England, we, we really are doing everything we possibly can. And I believe that it will put us in a good position. So when we do go away to Poland, we are going to be in the best possible position we can to go and win the trophy, which is what we all want. That's so great like to hear your perspective your push your drive and stuff because i think a lot of people need to hear that you know like y'all are going for a european championship not just i don't know like my mundane tasks like oh i can't go do this i don't know it's down the street i don't want to go like just kind of that kind of stuff but it's it's so cool to hear that like that push is there and like yeah. so motivated i I'm, I think I'm motivated, but I don't know about y'all. Y'all are killing it over there. But I don't know what the weather's like in New York, but I imagine the weather in New York is a hell of a lot better than what it's like in England uh, majority of the time. So when we, when I come home from work or when I finish my daily work, I will then get ready, put my tracksuit on, get my, my sort of running stuff. And the weather will be snowing or it'll be raining. It'd be an easy excuse just to say, no, not today. But we don't. We get out there, we push through the wind, the rain, the snow, whatever it's throwing at us. And then we, we sort of post all of our scores on like a little challenge um, app that we have as a team. And you can see by everybody's scores and records that everyone's giving 110%. No one's just going out there and, and sort of walking around and, and sort of like not really trying. Everyone really is pushing to every inch that they have. To, to make that score because everyone can see each other's score, which is good because it's showing that everyone is being motivated. Everybody wants to be everybody. And it's like a, a little competition, but it, it's friendly competition because we all really are pushing in the same direction, but we're trying to push each other as individuals as well to say, look, this is what I've got. Can you beat that? And if someone does, it's well done. We go again. But it also shows that there's so many things out there that tries to sort of stop us, but we really are smashing them barriers down and we really are doing all we can to make sure that we end up as, as number one come September. That the friendly competition push is so good. I, I know I made my friends, my mom and my sister download one of those step apps. Like it just counts your steps all day. And that's, mm. I was like, yo, I'm winning. Like, come on, <laughs> I got to step it up here. Yeah. <laughs> but How many do you get done a day roughly? Uh, I mean, in New York, usually I can get well over 10,000 just with oh, really? walking around. Um, I do have to set a time, though, because I live in my little studio apartment. So, like, you only get a couple hundred walking laps here. But mm. <laughs> going outside, going to the store, going to the park or something like that, I I push myself. But I like to yeah. win. Like, the friendly competition, yeah. you know, I like to win the step contest. <laughs> we all we all are pretty much the same. We all have that competitive edge. But yeah. I think we all you need that, I think. I think you need to be competitive. If you take it, if you if you're a good bad loser, and you take it in the right spirit, then then that's uh, that's good for us all, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, you already kind of talked about the the championship coming up in September, um, but what are y'all kind of how are y'all prepping until then? I know the lockdown situation is happening, um, mm. but what are you most looking forward to from now until then, and how's it looking? I'm looking forward to Boris Johnson making a speech on Monday <laughs> to tell us that we can sort of go back to playing football. I yes. mean, I think we've all we're all hoping that he allows us to sort of try and enter that elite category so we can go back and and train because right. what would be amazing and, and and I really mean this, what would be amazing if we did go to Poland in September and win the European Championships, this would be a massive thing for England, I think, because um, England um, famously don't do very well in football in tournaments. And I think the whole world know that. So if we can go over to the European Championships and win, 
this will be a massive statement. And because Owen Coyle, who our head coach, is um, his family and himself are, are so well known in this country, they will have the right contacts and the right people to be able to go and, and, and sort of showcase what we've done. So I think this as well for, for people like us, we, we really, really want this. And I know everybody wants it, but I truly believe we want it more. We're, we're doing so much in other countries and everybody will say we want it so much. But I truly believe because I know every single one of them people, all the players and all the staff, the physios, they give up all of their voluntary time. They spend We spend so many hours a week on conversations, on phone calls like this, discussing analysis sessions, uh, we talk about where we went wrong and how we can improve. We have um, professional people who really are with us all, all along the way. And I think we do step stand um, ahead of other nations in that situation, but it's down to us as players to really take that on board and accept what we're being told and, in, and then sort of like implement it when we're on the pitch. So um, we don't just do things physically as a, as a part, like in terms of, fitness work and playing football we also take a lot of things mentally which I think is really important at this moment in time uh, a lot of people are suffering around the world and not being able to go and do their normal activities so we have a fantastic um, staff that are with us that help us both physically mentally um, any sort of injuries that we may have or any questions we've also got a leadership team as part of our setup so we've got a group of four players that will go if people have any sort of issues that they can't really speak to the, the manager about, they'll go to another player and they'll go and have them conversations. So we've got a lot of channels and a lot of avenues of people that are there to help each other. Um, so that is part of the preparation. I believe preparation doesn't just necessarily mean playing football and, and being the best. I think it means there's so much more to it psychologically. We even have a psychologist that we work with who talks to us on a weekly basis, checks in with us, making sure that we're all OK any questions, anything that we can do to help us. And, and, and Tim, fair play to him, has given up all of his voluntary time as well. And, and he's just as amazing and just as important as everybody else within the setup. So we have so many very important people, uh, which aren't just the players. I mean, these guys get us to where we need to be. All they can do is do all of the hard work and all the prep. It's down to us as players to go onto the pitch and perform. And I think we're in a really good position to do that. Um, if Boris does allow us, to come back and play and um, we're hoping that we can get back to training next month um, in March which we're hoping will be our first training camp back training camp back since the lockdown um, and I think that really will be um, a really good position for us because we did sort of go back um, towards the back end of last year but then uh, the United Kingdom had another lockdown which was a bit of a nightmare um, but where we where we sort of like finished there we was in a really good position and people are doing the hard work at home. And I just know when we get there in March, we're going to be flying straight from where we are. So we sort of finished here. We haven't sort of come down. We're still here, if not just a little bit higher. So I think we're in a really good position. And if everyone keeps doing what they're doing, then then who knows? We, we could be sat here in seven months' time with a nice big trophy, knowing that we are European champions. I hope so. I hope so. But I think um, just kind of following up on that, I think one thing that people have really learn to value more in this last year is the time that you have together because training alone is it, it works like obviously y'all are making it work I'm making it work I clear my kitchen space and do my home workouts there <laughs> but I just the value of like having that human contact and being able to train as a team people they they crave that you know like yeah. even if it if they're not on a sports team they crave that kind of in office environment or something like that um which I think 
will enhance performance, I guess, once these teams can start practicing again, you guys and others included, is having that face-to-face kind of experience after being separated for so long. The, mm. the excitement and kind of like the adrenaline of being back together, I feel like will will help and push yeah. more. I think so, yeah. I mean, like you say, all the sports that are happening now are happening with no fans and it's becoming a bit mundane. But also working from home is also like you don't really have anyone with you you don't see your work staff I mean we went into the office one day um, and it was really nice to see everybody again and everyone had that sort of motivation they sort of like their energy levels went up and it was just really good to be able to spend some actual time with people as opposed to over like contacts like this um, but no it's, 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 it's difficult at the moment but there's so many people who are finding it difficult and it's trying to trying to use what we have, like trying to use the facilities that we have to try and keep ourselves level-headed because this will pass eventually and it's, it's trying to make it pass in the most secure and safe way because once it does pass, as a footballing nation and as a, as a group of players, we're going to absolutely smash it. We're going to take it with both hands and we're going to do everything we possibly can to make sure that we are successful. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited. I want to see it happen. I can't wait for September. <laughs> Me too. And but- it's really crazy because the final... The final falls on my birthday and what an unbelievable, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's something that is motivating me even more. I mean, the last couple of birthdays have sort of been a little bit locked down, not much going on. Now, can you imagine (laughs) stepping out in front of 30, 40,000 people in Poland and on your birthday and going and winning that final? That's something for me when I'm running down the streets and I'm absolutely blowing and I just want to stop. I just think about little things like that. These little moments in, in, in the match where I'm through on goal with the keeper and I'm absolutely knackered and it's the last minute of the game. But I know if I push that extra 5%, that's going to be the difference between winning and losing. And for me, that's what gets me going. That's what gives me the, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, the goosebumps, knowing that I potentially could be the difference between us winning the European Championships or ultimately not winning the European Championships. And I think every one of us sort of have the same motivation. And it's really good that we all think the same way because we all want to be winners. We all are winners within our own right in terms of overcoming disabilities and overcoming trauma. But also we want to be winners in terms of we want our name on that trophy. We want that to say England. And that's ultimately what, we, what we're striving for towards the end of this year. And if we win it on my birthday, even better. <laughs> Best birthday present ever. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, That'd be so good. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for it. I'm so excited. I want to watch. Um, I know we'll be, we'll be cheering for you from New York, but yeah. um, that's so crazy. But um, I guess my question for you here is, it's related, I guess, to this global stage that you're talking about, right? 30, 40,000 people, everybody from all around the world is watching you guys. Um, how have you seen this growth within amputee football in the last few years? I feel like it's, I feel like it's growing in awareness, um, at least within the United States and a couple other places, like, you know, in Poland, it's huge, um, and a couple other countries in Europe as well. But um, how have you seen the growth? You've been in this for 16 years. I would imagine mm. it's changed quite a bit since you started. Yeah, Um it really has. I mean, a perfect example would be when I first started, uh, we went to a place in Russia, in, in, in Russia, and uh, we landed at the airport and uh, we had to go and collect our own luggage from the hold of the plane. Now, we're thinking I'm like sort of 15, 16 years old. I'm on this plane where the seats fall down on top of each other, like a domino effect. And I've never been so scared in my life. I'm in the middle of Moscow City and it's pitch black. It's two o'clock in the morning. 
And these guys are coming over to these security guards and I'm thinking, wow, this is this, I'm really scared right now. And then you fast track to like six years later when we go back and we're treated like absolute royalty. We don't have to go and collect our luggage. We've got people doing that for us. We're going through the airport as if um, Madonna was walking through. We had people, paparazzi looking at us. It was just incredible. And and you can only get to that position if you really push and you, and you dedicate. And, and also in terms of the social media, social media is really a, a big sort of plus for us because that's what sort of getting the word out. We have some fantastic ambassadors of, of the sport. Um, there's so many people around around Europe, especially um, celebrity-wise, from different sports who have really got to know about who we are. And then they've then been able to become ambassadors of the sport. Um, and I think it's the awareness of, I think people are now looking to us and say, because I think, I think when, when you hear stories of people that could have been professional um, and you hear their stories and how they suffer their setbacks, when they then hear about our stories, it sort of inspires people. So people who think or say that they've had difficulties, which they will have done, they hear our stories, they just want to just say, like, you guys are inspirational, you guys are incredible. And, and for me, it's different for me because I was a child and I don't really know my life other than having, like, an amputation. But some of the people that I've met around different countries, like some of the people that have been involved in, in war and some of the people that have been sort of unfortunate to, to have had illnesses such as cancer and things like that, to be able to hear other people's stories is inspirational. And then when other people that you get to meet on a daily basis all ask you how you lost your limb and, and what you do, they're inspired massively just to want to be, be a part of it. And then they spread the word and then they spread the word to their friends and family. And then before you know it, it's getting bigger and bigger. And for me, that's what's massive. There's so many people that I have on social media that I have no idea who they are, but they're inspired because they've seen me play football and they want to see what we do, which is really good. For me, it's massive. Definitely. So. Definitely. That's, that's huge. I think all of these factors and stuff are so cool, I'm sure, for you to experience. And then I, like, I met you. I'm, I'm in New York and I've never been to one of your matches or anything. I haven't seen this in person, but I'm fascinated. And that's the social media part that you're talking about, um, which is so, so cool to see kind of the, the growth, I guess, from the outside. You're on the inside, I would say. But um, that's I didn't know about the TikTok, though. I mean, the TikTok for me was more. I mean, I have a little girl and she is on TikTok all the time. Yeah. Now, I would not associate myself on TikTok because I would think that it was for children. But obviously, it's getting bigger now and so many more adults and so many more people are sort of getting involved. And I see things on there that people are sort of like sharing amputee football on on uh, TikTok and it's just it's just incredible and for me I just think you know what if it spreads the word then why not yeah no definitely definitely that's so funny I, I guess I associate you with TikTok <laughs> whether you do or not but um that's so fun I guess just to kind of wrap up my last question I always end the shows on advice um so what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self um one one piece of advice um just take every take every opportunity that i have been given again if i could do it all over again there's so many opportunities that i've spoken to some of the players who have basically said you've got this massive potential to go and be the best in the world now there was one player that when i was younger when i first started he took me under his wing his name is lee wolfenden and i'm sure he won't mind me saying this but um for me he was the best player that i've ever seen play amputee football and I was fortunate enough to be able to play alongside him 
um, when he sort of stopped playing and the, the sort of some of my heroes that I started growing up because I was only young and the people that I played with all sort of got a bit older and they stopped playing I sort of lost my motivation a little bit because I thought that it was over because they stopped it was over now I lost some good years um of my of my sort of time where I could have gone on and, and maybe helped the team a little bit more um so if I could sort of give myself some advice it would be to never give in appreciate what you've got and appreciate what could have been um the fact that we've never won a world cup or a european championship in the 14 years 15 years that i've been playing or 16 years even um it's really upsetting because we have so many good players and we've been given so many opportunities with some amazing staff some even some of the england staff that we had previously who did this voluntary have gone on to to be managers in in the professional game and they've gone on to bigger and better things and We've now got the platform, if I'm honest with you, we've got the platform to now push on. We've got the backroom staff, we've got the players, we've got everything we could possibly ask for to, to go and, and do well. It's down down to us as a team to go and do that. So, um, yeah, now's the time. I'm hoping this is the year, This because uh, the, the World Cup is potentially going to be the next year or the year after. So these are big years now. Between the years of 30 and 33, for me, are massive. So I want to make sure that I keep myself in good physical condition to make sure that I can perform at elite level, to then perform to a standard that I need to, to make sure that I can be as influential for this team as anyone else. Definitely. That's awesome. That's great advice. I know I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I don't know what I feel like I need to do, but I'm motivated to go do something. I don't know if I need to go win the championship. I don't think I can, <laughs> but that's what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> You're more than welcome to come to Poland. You can support us from oh the sidelines. A lot oh, of pom poms. Like yes, please, please. That'd be I would amazing. Love that. <laughs> I'm oh sure God. they can do something. I'm sure they'll sort something out for you. I'd love to. I'd love to. Let me let me ring Poland after this and see what happens. But yeah, yeah. okay. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll put you in the in connection with the right people. I'm sure they'll be able to work something out. Yes, <laughs> that would be crazy. But um, it would be. It's just awesome. it's round the corner. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it, it's seven months away, but seven months is nothing. I mean, we've been in this pandemic longer than that. Yeah. So um, we just need to, to just keep going. Um, our families play such a big part as well. I, I think we haven't really given any credit to our families because, to be honest, when you've been working all day and, you, and you're going off doing your stuff, you don't tend to see them as, as often, really. My mum and dad ring me all the time, asking me how I'm doing, making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm okay within myself and within the family. Um, so family and friends play such a big part in this and when if and when we do go to Poland and win they will be just um, they'll get just as much credit as they deserve because they are a big part of this as well definitely definitely it's a it's a family like we were talking about at the beginning um, that's so cool I'm so pumped I'm so excited to watch you all in a few months but um, Mickey this was this was awesome thank you so much for sharing your story and giving me some of your time today no problem. Thank you, Aggie, for having me. It's a real honor and pleasure to, to speak with you today. So thank you very, very much. Thanks so much for coming on, Mickey. We really appreciate you sharing your story and the story of the England Amputee Football Association. So this has been a wrap on this feature that I really enjoyed. I really liked speaking with these guys from the EAFA and check them out. They're on the way to Poland in just a few months to play in their championship. So let's support them. Thanks for joining us, guys.